Um, so Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13. When Jesus returned I Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But, the, but many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Thank you, Rachel. Um, so join with me in prayer as we pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance as we um, come to God's Word this morning. And so, Father, I pray uh, that your Spirit would guide us, um, that we, as we seek to be faithful to your Word this morning, as we seek to discover uh, what you would have us believe and take away from your Word this morning, I pray that your Spirit would guide us, uh, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open, that our eyes would be open to see, our ears would be open to hear what it is that you want us to uh, be shaped by from your word this morning. Mm. And so, Father, I pray that, you know, it's Father's Day and, and some of us do have roast lambs to go home to and, 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 or uh, din- lunches to go off to or, and some of us have other chores to do. I, I pray that uh, though there's things to do after this time this morning, that you just give us an ability to focus in on your word, that we wouldn't come to it and go away unchanged this morning, but that we'd be transformed in our reading and our hearing of it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, So this morning is part two of uh, this series that we began last week that we're calling Face to Face with God. Um, And so through this series we're exploring the personal encounters with Jesus that people have throughout Matthew's Gospel. Uh, And so throughout Matthew's Gospel and all the Gospels, in fact, we we see Jesus uh, speaking to crowds. We see Jesus, these summary statements where it says, and Jesus healed many illnesses and cast out many uh, demons from people. And and there's this big, uh, I guess, uh, almost megachurch ministry, (laughs) in a sense, that we see in Jesus. But in the midst of that, we see these one-on-one encounters. These moments where they're not private audiences, there's other people around, but, but they're these moments where the story zeroes in on one person face-to-face with Jesus. So as we began last week, just to recap, uh, Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verse 3 says, The Son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. 
And so what that means, that it means that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. It means that he is the manifest presence of God's glory and the exact representation of who God is. And so in these one-on-one encounters with Jesus, we're seeing people come face-to-face with God. There's something of the nature of who God is personally that's revealed in these encounters. All of Scripture, the crowd moments, the big moments, the prophetic moments, they all tell us about God, but, but there's something about the personal nature, the personality of God that's revealed in these one-on-one encounters. Uh, to reinforce that, John chapter 14, verse 9, uh, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples about where he's going to go. He's going to go uh, to the Father. And I and, uh, said last week, I got it wrong. I said Thomas, but it was Philip. Philip says to, to Jesus, well, just show us the Father. We don't understand. Just show us the Father and we'll get it. And Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so to see Jesus, to see Jesus in these one-on-one encounters is to see what God the Father is like. It's not like Jesus is like this and the Father is something different. Sometimes we have this concept where oh, Jesus is the one who came to save us. He's loving, he's kind, he's gracious and the Father's kind of this angry old man. Well, that's not true because who we see Jesus to be in these face-to-face moments and every other moment, in fact, but in these face-to-face moments is exactly who the Father is. Kind of in an introductory yet summary statement, uh, John, in writing his gospel story about Jesus, says in John chapter 1, verse 18, No one has seen God, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, that's Jesus, who is himself God and is closest, in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And so this series, this series of of exploring these face-to-face encounters with God is a series of exploring who God is, of of seeking to know God better. The Bible gives us great kind of theological principles, it gives us great applications for our life, but God is not just a God, as as I said last week, He is not just a God of abstract theology or life principles. He's a God of personal relationship who knows us completely and desires us to know him and so that's the journey that we're on and so this morning we're we're asking the question we're thinking about seeing or believing is our faith based on what we see or on what we believe that we have not yet seen are we uh, motivated are we driven are we guided by what we see or by what we believe and so it's often said that seeing is believing the the phrase that sometimes people will say well i'll believe that when i see it and we live in a world of amazing technological advances and and and, uh and and things that kind of are amazing that we don't kind of really understand how they work uh sometimes my boys will ask me you know, with wireless technology, if we're playing something off Bluetooth and, and my phone's not actually touching the thing that the sound's coming out of, and, and they'll say, they'll ask me, how does that work? And I don't really know. It just does. It, something from here goes to there, and I don't know how that really works, but I believe it because I can see it, or more accurately in that case, I can hear 
that it's happening and so I believe that it works. But if I hadn't ever seen that, if I hadn't ever lived in this age, if you asked my parents or our grandparents, uh, you know, 50 years ago, uh, can, do you think we can ever kind of get a phone? Well, they wouldn't have had a phone like this, but music on your phone to start off with would have been a thing. But they, they wouldn't have believed what we can do today was possible because they hadn't seen it or heard it. So we often say, oh, I'll believe that when I see it. I believe that when I see it. And so the gospel stories is filled with people who believe in Jesus and believe in his power because they had seen what he could do. And so Mark's gospel, um, to flip over gospels in a moment, Mark chapter 1 verse uh, 29 to, to 34 tells us of um, one of Jesus' first healing miracles. And Jesus had just cast out a demon and um, he, he was kind of starting to collect together his first disciples and um, in Mark chapter 1, 29, it says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her and took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening, so as a result of this, I, I presume word has gotten out. People have said, Simon's mother had a fever. Jesus came in and helped her up and the fever left and she made us dinner, um, which is lovely. But that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. So they've, the, the story that, I, that happened just before what I read was Jesus casting out a demon. And then Jesus healed a woman with fever, which we think fever is a mild thing today because we have medication to manage it and control it. But lots of people died from fever. It was deadly because there was nothing to control the temperature. And so Jesus had healed this woman with a fever. And so what happens is people hear that, people have seen that. And so that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And so these people had either heard or they had seen that Jesus could heal. And so they responded by believing that Jesus could heal. They had heard or seen that Jesus could cast out demons and so they responded by bringing those that they believed were demon-possessed to Jesus and Jesus cast out those demons. They believed because they had seen. Later in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew uh, chapter 14, we see uh, Peter believing that he could walk on water. But he believes that after he had seen Jesus do it himself. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 to 29 it says i'll read the second half of verse 23 when evening came he was there alone that's jesus but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land with jesus disciples in it buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it during the fourth watch of the night jesus went out to them walking on the lake when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. And the story goes on that he became afraid and started to sink and Jesus rescued him. But Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter first saw Jesus walking on the water. 
And then he believed that if Jesus has the power to do that, he can enable me to do that. He believed something amazing. I don't know if any of us have... I'm sure there's some people in the room that have tried it. Just go, I think I can walk on water. Yes, Jesus. And poof, into the pool. But the thought never entered Peter's mind. He never had the belief that Jesus could walk on water or that he could walk on water until he had seen it. They didn't believe that was possible until they'd seen it. In fact, that's why they were scared it was a ghost. They'd never entered their conception that Jesus had the power to do that until they had seen it. And so the normal way of things is that seeing is believing. We believe it when we see it. Or when we hear it. And and that's part of why we share testimonies. We want to encourage the faith of others. We want to say, hey, I saw this thing happen or I've heard of this thing happen that God did and that builds our faith, that strengthens our faith. It's, It's not a bad thing. But the question is, should we limit God to what we have seen? Should we limit our belief in who God is to what we have seen with our own eyes? Should God be contained within the box of our own experience should we be led by what we see or by what we believe about who god is and so sometimes it takes an outsider's perspective to to see clearly to see reality for what it is and so the story that rachel read for us from matthew chapter 8 is the story of an outsider's perspective We're told that when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asked for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come heal him? And so this is the story of an outsider coming to Jesus. A Roman centurion was a Gentile. And so the the Jewish understanding was that the Israel, the nation of Israel were God's people. That, that salvation belonged to the Jews. And so this Gentile was outside of relationship with God by his very nature of being a Gentile. But he wasn't just a Gentile, he was a Roman centurion. He was actively, by just being part of that military organization, an enemy of God's people. He's the outsider of outsiders. Yet he believed in Jesus in a way that astonished even Jesus. The Roman centurion believed in Jesus' power to heal beyond just the physical laying on of hands, beyond just the physical presence of being with someone and speaking the words to them and seeing them healed. If you were here last week, you'll remember the the story of Jesus cleansing the leper, of healing a a man with leprosy from uh, his skin condition and he reached out and touched him. Others believed Jesus could heal, so they brought those who were sick and unwell to Jesus so that he could touch them. But this Roman centurion has a faith beyond that. He, he says that you don't even need to be in the room. You don't even need to be near the, world, near the man who's unwell because of who you are. I, I want to 
compare the, the faith of this complete outsider to the faith of those who knew Jesus best. In, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 53, we hear the story of Jesus ministering amongst those who knew him best. It says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in, the, in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary and aren't his sisters, sorry, aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so sometimes it takes this outsider, a Roman centurion, to see who Jesus really is. It's those who know him the best who can't see. Who can't see who Jesus really is. We might shake our head at the the, the people of Nazareth and think, oh, he was right there, right in front of you all this time and you couldn't really see who he is. But the challenge for us this morning as we compare the outsider's perspective of the Roman centurion and, and those who know Jesus most intimately as he grew up, the challenge is, does our own familiarity with Jesus make us think we know who he is? And put him in a box. Does our own familiarity with God make us think, well, I know God, I know who he is, I know what he can do, I've seen it, I've heard it, I know him, and then in doing so, we form a box. So the tendency is over time as we spend time in relationship with someone, if we're not proactively seeking to to learn more and discover more about them is we think we know who they are. We have a perspective on, and this is true of humans, it's true of God. We have a perspective on who that person is and that starts to get stagnant. And so we need the outsider's perspective to come in and see things more clearly. And so the question I want to explore uh, in our remaining time this morning, um, it is only, as Steve said, it's only uh, 10.30 now, that clock's a bit behind, so we've got another hour uh, <laughs> left this morning in which to work with. Um, but in the time I want to left, we've got left this morning, I want to explore what did this outsider see when he looked at Jesus that those who knew him better didn't? What did this outsider see about God that those who were Israel, those who were on the inside, couldn't see? And what should we see when we look through his eyes at Jesus? I want to invite you this morning to look at Jesus through the eyes of this Roman centurion, through this outsider, to look with fresh perspective to discover, well, what do we see? I think what the Roman centurion saw when he looked at 
the person of Jesus, the very exact representation of God's being is that God is greater than our wildest imagination. God is greater than our wildest imagination. Jesus is greater than our wildest imagination. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 to 10, uh, the story goes on. Uh, the centurion replied after Jesus said, Well, shall I come and heal him? Uh, some of your translations may read it as Jesus saying, I shall come and hear him. It's probably more accurately a question. But Jesus' response to, to the request to, to heal is a movement towards coming to that place to heal the man. And so the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and I tell that one come and he comes and I say to my servant do this and he does it. And so that's where Jesus responds. It says when Jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him truly I tell you I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I haven't found anyone who, who should know who I am who really gets who I am in this way. And so the Roman centurion wasn't unique in believing Jesus could heal. We're told that Jesus is in Capernaum where the whole town had already brought all their sick people all their spiritually oppressed people to Jesus and he had already healed many of them. The Roman centurion wasn't unique in believing that Jesus could heal. The unique thing here, if we're to boil it down, is he believed Jesus could heal at a distance. That Jesus didn't actually have to go to the man to heal, he could heal at a distance. The thing is, no one had seen Jesus do that. If seeing is believing, the Roman centurion had not seen Jesus heal anyone at a distance. It was always the laying on of hands or the speaking of a word over someone near and directed. It had always been people bringing their ill friends and families to him. So he, he believed that Jesus could do something that no one had seen or heard about. But I want to suggest to us this morning that, that this is more than just a slightly bigger perspective than Jesus' uh, circle of power. It was more than just believing that, that, oh, well, if Jesus can heal here, then he can probably throw it to the back of the room where Damien is. <laughs> it was more than just believing that Jesus' supernatural reach went further than his limbs. He saw who Jesus was. He saw that Jesus was not a mere magician or a worker of miracles. He saw that he was God. He saw that he was one with authority, that he was one with power, that he was one who was greater than anybody's wildest imagination. He was greater than what had been seen. He was greater than what had been believed by anybody. 
It didn't matter where he was, that, that he was in bodily form, the creator of the universe, present amongst them. That he was, uh, to put some uh, Jewish Old Testament theology on the, on the Roman centurion, who probably didn't think of it in these terms, but, but he was the one who had spoken the creation into being, why then would he need to be present to heal? This wasn't just that, that Jesus' power extended a few kilometers, a few meters beyond his arms. It, it was a perspective that Jesus is the one in whom all power dwells. That Jesus is the one in whom all authority exists. The Roman centurion says, well, I am a, a man under authority and I have people under my authority. And so in the, the Roman system, what it would mean that it, it, a Roman centurion was you know, numerically over 100, but usually it was more than that. If he was to give an order that was denied, it wasn't the centurion who has been disobeyed. It went all the way up the line of authority to Rome and to Caesar on the throne. And so when the, the Roman centurion says, I am under authority, he's not just saying, well, I need to do what I'm told. He's saying that I'm under authority and I speak with that authority. And so those who I tell go are essentially been commanded by Julius Caesar, well, not Julius at this time, Augustus Caesar to go. And so there was something about this outsider's perspective, this understanding of, of what authority was that, that he saw, well, Jesus speaks with the authority of the divine and so if he speaks the word, it must be done. That, that this man is greater, this God is greater than our wildest imaginations. That he saw in Jesus the capacity to do something that no one had yet seen actually take place. That he's not a mere magician or a worker of miracles. He believed beyond what anyone had seen. And so this morning, I want to encourage us to follow in the footsteps of the Roman centurion. To have our faith spurred on by what we have seen, but to not limit it to what we've seen or not limit it to what we've heard about, to not limit it to what we can understand or even imagine. So God is not limited by our perception. God is not limited by what we can perceive or understand he's a god of infinite capability and possibility and authority and power in john uh, chapter 20 verse 29 this time it is thomas um, after jesus has has died and been raised again um, we're told uh that Jesus appeared several times to his disciples and he appeared uh, at one occasion when uh, Thomas was not with them. And so the other disciples told Thomas, we've, we've seen the Lord. We've, we've seen Jesus resurrected from the dead. And so Thomas replies, well, essentially, you know, paraphrasing, he says, I have not seen it, so I cannot 
believe it. I have not seen it, so I cannot believe it. He says, I will not believe it unless I see the nail scars in his hands, unless I see the scar in his ribs where he has been pierced, and yet see him walking around alive and well. I will not believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead until I see it. And so Jesus was gracious to Thomas. He, he appeared again amongst them and Thomas was there and he said, Thomas, see, see the nail scars in my hands. See where they pierced me in the side. And so Thomas responds in worship. He says, my Lord and my God, he sees it and he believes it. And his eyes are open to who Jesus really is, to who God is, that God is a God who came and saved and rose again that we might have new life he worships and says my lord and my god and then jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed and so jesus speaks a blessing over those who who believe beyond what they've seen who believe in who God is beyond what they've seen happen in their own life, even if in fact they've, they've cried out for healing and they haven't seen it in their own life, they still believe that God's a healer even though they haven't seen it in their own life. Jesus speaks a blessing over those who believe and have not yet seen. He speaks a blessing over those who believe based on just the testimony of others, though we haven't seen it with our own eyes, as, as Thomas had the opportunity to believe based on the testimony of the other disciples, Jesus speaks a blessing over them. But I also believe that Jesus speaks a blessing here over those that simply believe in who God is, not what they've seen or heard Him do. And so by believing in who God is, the creator of the universe, the one in whom all power, all authority, all love, all peace, all everything that is divine dwells. Those who believe in who He is and, yet, and then believe that, well then nothing is beyond His capability, even if we have not yet seen that. Jesus speaks a blessing over those who believe beyond what they can see and imagine. And so this morning, I want us to grab hold of that blessing and, and, and choose to not limit God to the box of our own perception. To not limit God to the box of our own uh, experience. To not limit God to the box of our own understanding. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul was a man who saw some pretty amazing things. He saw Jesus in all of his resurrected glory on the road to Damascus in such a uh, powerful way that it blinded him. 
He saw people healed of all kinds of diseases. He saw demons cast out. He saw people raised from the dead in the name of Jesus. Paul saw some pretty amazing things. But yet he still says that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. But also more than what we could imagine. See, Paul had seen so much in God, he saw who God was and he understood, like this Roman centurion, that this isn't just about what I have seen God do, this is about who he is and if God is who he is, then nothing is impossible. There is always an immeasurably more to believe in beyond what we've seen. There's this line uh, that happens in 1 Kings and I'm not going to look it up, the reference this morning, but, but God through the prophets say to them, you know, this is what I'm going to do and it's this big elaborate kind of complex socio-political thing and, 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 and the last line I just love, it says, but this is but an easy thing for the Lord. See, we have this perception sometimes that, well, this is a, a little miracle and this is a big miracle and, and God can do this, but this will take him some effort. See, we think what the Roman centurion saw was just a belief about a bigger circle of power. We missed the point. He didn't just have a bigger perspective of Jesus' power. He could see that there was no limit. There was no difficult thing. There was no thing beyond his capability. That it wasn't just a thing that could happen through touch or magic tricks or certain processes, that this was about who he was. And if he is who he is, then nothing is impossible. So it's often said that seeing is believing. That seeing is believing. But I want to encourage us this morning that, that we should, as followers of Jesus, say that believing is seeing. That we believe in a God in whom nothing is impossible, who's capable of immeasurably more than we could even imagine. And I challenge you today to spend some time imagining as hard as you can what God can do. And the answer will always be that God can do immeasurably more than that. And so we should, as followers of Jesus, think about believing is seeing. In uh, the end of the story here in, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go and it will be done, just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. See, Jesus had actually offered to go to the house and heal the man. Jesus had offered to do something in which everyone had already seen happen a hundred times. More than a hundred times, thousands of times. But he believed for something greater and he saw something greater. He believed for something more and he saw something more. And I'm, I'm not talking about kind of a... Uh, some of us heard of like the phrase name it and claim it that if we just speak the words then you know god's a magic genie and it'll happen but i do want to encourage us to seek to believe 
in a bigger God than we've seen. To seek to believe in a more powerful God than any box can contain. To seek to trust in Him beyond our understanding. Jesus shows us a God that's not limited in any way. We are called to believe and have faith for things that we have not yet seen because that is the definition of what faith means. And so as our worship team uh, come out, we're going to worship God this morning. We're going to finish in uh, song. As we worship and as we pray to wrap up our time together this morning, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to trust in you for, to believe in you for, to have faith in for that is beyond my imagination? Uh, Philippa said she, she couldn't imagine meeting a husband here at Yes Community Baptist Church. And, and so maybe that's it for some of us. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's we just don't see how we're going to end up in a relationship uh, that will be fulfilling. Maybe it's a financial issue that you can't, see God resolving for you. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a a, a, a heart's desire that you've kind of given up on because you just can't see how that's going to work out. A dream or a vision or or something. Maybe it's it's, uh, you just have a desire for all of the people of Yass to be saved. But you haven't seen that before. You've seen towns in which you know 5% of the population are, are believers maybe it's uh, you desire this whole nation to be saved maybe you can imagine 100% of all Australians saved in the name of Jesus even then God is able to do immeasurably more than that we might have to leave our borders and so as we sing and worship this morning I want you to actively ask the Holy Spirit what are you calling me to believe that's beyond what I've seen, that's beyond what I've imagined you can do. So let me pray and then we'll unleash the worship team. So Father, we thank you this morning for this outsider's perspective. We thank you for this Roman centurion who saw what those of us on the inside did not see. Father, we're We're sorry for the times that we've reduced you or contained you to the level of our experience or understanding. And so I pray this morning that you would shatter your way out of any box that we've placed you in. I pray that you would lead us to be followers of Jesus that believe beyond our level of seeing. And as we worship you in song in a moment, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and draw us and lead us to give us a belief in something tangible. Father, I pray this morning that this is not left in the abstract, but but that you would lead us to believe in you, to trust in you, to have faith in you in a tangible way that's beyond beyond our imagination and our seeing so 
Show us this morning what you're calling us to believe in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Ash Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.